Hello everyone, welcome back to the Barely Bookish Podcast and welcome to 2021. And if you're listening to this super far in the future, I guess welcome back to 2021. Uh, Reminisce for a moment. Hopefully this year was a good one, I don't know. Um, Yeah, so we are once again reading Little Women with Kendra uh, from the West Coast Booksters. So please join me for that. It'll be a lot of fun. And if this is your very first episode, these are spoiler inclusive. So be sure to go back and listen to all the old episodes and then you can come back and listen to this one. And it'll be a lot more fun this way, that way, I guess. But yeah, without further ado, uh, welcome back and enjoy this episode of the Barely Bookish Podcast. everyone and welcome back to us discussing Little Women yet again and hopefully getting further into this book. Um, I am once again joined by Kendra. Hi. And we are on chapter 20. So uh, yet again it's called well chapter 20 is called Confidential and then yet again the author breaks the fourth wall to say that everyone was genuinely happy and I'm like can we not get that from context clues? Like, does the author have to just, like, rip down the fourth wall, poke her head through, and be like, by the way, everyone's happy here. Thank you. And then just sew it back up and get back into the book. I'm like, chill. Like, we don't need that much fourth wall break at all. Everyone is always happy in this book. I know. Like, there's only maybe, like, I don't know, six chapters where they're not happy. (laughs) Literally. I'm like, you guys are have a really decent life and like for as poor as they are supposedly supposed to be they really don't seem to have that many like poor people struggles except for the fact that like amy keeps wanting to buy clothes which i mean what girl doesn't yeah i mean i get it i don't really judge it but like they don't really seem to have that many struggles i feel like like they're they're fine they're decently well off they are what a normal family would look like without credit, if that makes sense. Yeah. I feel you like they're only, middle class. Yeah. You can only buy what you have in your purse. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can only buy with what you have in your purse. And so nowadays you can buy anything you want because everybody has a credit card. But back then you couldn't. You could only buy with what you made. So to me, they're like normal middle like they should be what we are today but we're just monsters now <laughs> you look at my credit card statement okay that's enough of that <laughs> oh yeah so um her their mother will not leave beth's side until um like she feels better but beth seems to be doing a lot better uh Lori came and told amy that he had been going sometimes my handwriting is so bad that i like look at it and i'm like what Oh, so Lori came and told uh, Amy what had been going on, and after a while, her mother came and saw her at her aunt's house, and then the aunt gave Amy the turquoise ring today, and her mother thinks that she's too young to wear it, but Amy says that she wants to wear it to remind her not to be selfish. I'm like, you're absolutely full of it, Amy. You think that ring's beautiful, and that's the real reason you want to wear it. I thought the same thing. I was like, okay, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> yeah, totally. She's like, but it's a reminder. I'm like, you're so full of it. Like a cheap plastic rings are a reminder. A gorgeous turquoise, like thousand dollar ring is not a reminder of anything. You just think it's beautiful. So their mother is back now, uh, home now and Joe comes up to see her and tells her mother that Mr. Brooke is the one who cares for Meg. Bum, bum, bum. And like, we kind of talked about this last episode, but like, I still really don't understand how much older Mr. Brooke is. And they don't ever say. I want to say now that I've read more of the mm-hmm. book that he's like late 20s. Okay. That's pro- like what I'm guessing too. The thing that's weird about later in this book too is they don't say when the end of a year happens. They just keep aging people up and like ha- like men- mentioning and passing how old people are. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. She was 13 a chapter ago. And now you're telling me she's 18? Okay, thanks. <laughs> it's just kind of wild to me that they just don't explain the passage of time. Yeah, because, well, we'll get there when we get there. Yeah, we'll get there. But, like, I just need to, like, say that, throw that out there. But I was just shocked about that. Um, So then Mr. Brooke actually told Mrs. March that he loved Meg, uh, but that he wants to earn a comfortable home before he asks her to marry him. And Joe is, like, super salty about this because she does not want to lose Meg at all. Which... I get it. Like, Joe is not ready to grow up at all. She wants to be a little tomboy, but I love that for her. Her character, okay, so I don't relate to any of these people, except for maybe Meg. Um, but Joe's character, like, I thought I would relate to her the mm-hmm. most because she's the most rebellious, but she's actually so annoying. I just want to punch her in the face. It's weird to me because they shift her character a lot. So it's like she's used to be tomboyish, carefree, and now she's like kind of restricting her family in a way. If that makes sense? Whereas like she doesn't want anyone to grow up or anyone to move on. She has like a very Peter Pan syndrome sort of thing going on. Like, and she's like super territorial, like mm-hmm. man type, ter- like you're mine, you will stay in my house, and that is that. You're not going to meet anybody, yeah. and I will love you for however much you need to be loved. <laughs> yeah, like basically he's the Hans Christian, she's the Hans Christian Anderson, right? Is that right? Or Grimm's Brothers that wrote Peter Pan, the original one that was like really dark and like the um, Captain Hook is like a lost boy that escaped and that's why he has no hand and like all this stuff have you heard about that the original peter pan no but i think i need to read it now yeah it's really really dark it's basically like peter pan is obsessed with people not growing up and like as soon as and he doesn't understand consequences of his own actions so it feels very like reminiscent of that where it's like joe is like you need to stay small you need to stay young you need to stay with me and you can't leave me you're mine that kind of thing and she's like sort of obsessed with that and it's really odd because i mean i get it you're a family but at the same time i don't want to live with my brother and sister again like no like i love my sisters and i love living with my sisters but like they are also independent people and i just couldn't imagine being like hey give up on all your dreams and stay with me forever you know (laughs) her character arc is 
all over like the place. It. Yeah, I don't like it. She annoys me. I really just want to punch her out of the book and be like, go away. I don't even feel like she has a character arc. I feel like it's a character mountain range. Like, <laughs> there's highs in her character development, and then there's really bad lows. And I'm like, whoa, 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 where are we going? Someone tell me. You know, like, I don't understand where the end road is. I just kind of hope that, like, at the end of it, Joe doesn't have to marry anyone. Or if she does, she and Lori get married out of friendship. But, like, Lori's, like, legitimately in love with her, so I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. That's in... We're not there yet. I mean, we're we not are there, yet. but we're not there. <laughs> At this point in this talking part, we are not there yet. So we will talk more about that when we get there. Because I have a lot to say. <laughs> so Mrs. March uh, says she doesn't want the girls to marry rich. She wants them to marry for love, which I thought was very sweet. And Joe says she hoped Meg would marry Teddy. Because, again, she wants that, like, closeness. So she was kind I think, log- like, honestly, I think she was hoping that Meg and uh, Lori would get married, not because she thinks they're a good couple, but because she wants to keep Meg close, and then Meg would just be right next door. But I don't think it's anything about their personalities. Yeah, Um, she's older than him, right? So that'd be odd. By like a year, so it's not bad. Still odd. (laughs) I mean, nowadays it's not odd, but I would think back then it was odd. Because you want a man that can take care of you, not one that's going to college. Like, that's the whole point. But I mean, like, he's rich, so he could take care of her. That's true. I think it'd be weird if he was poor and younger. Yeah, that'd be even weirder. (laughs) And then everyone would be like, ew. So Mrs. March realizes that Meg doesn't love Mr. Brooke yet, uh, but she will soon learn to. And I was like... "Um, that's ominous, but all right. Uh, so chapter 21, Lori makes mischief and Joe makes peace. I wonder what this is about. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Joe's trying to keep it a secret. And Meg can tell that um, she has a secret, but knows not to ask. Uh, knows that if she asks, um, Joe will eventually tell her because I don't know. Joe will keep silent out of spite for some reason. <laughs> like, I have no idea. Joe, <laughs> it does. It really does. Because I feel like Joe's the kind of person where she's like, ooh, so now that you've asked, I will never say a single word again. Thanks, though. Um, so I'm really just defaming Joe's character right now. I'm just like <laughs> literally lighting it on fire, but it's fine. So Joe goes to hang out with Lori and is super worried uh, that he will coax it out of her because she's trying to keep the secret that uh, Mr. Brooks said to um, her parents that she like he likes uh, Meg right now. So um, there's a super change in Meg's compor- uh, composure and they think that she's falling in love with Mr. Brooke and everyone's like, Mm, what's going on with Meg? And this is like after she got a lover, letter. So then we find out that Lori wrote a pink prank letter confessing John Brooks' love to Meg and that it was uh, thinking that it was John Meg wrote back. So she was like, he was like, I love you. And she was like writing back and she goes, but it's too soon. And luckily 
uh, neither letter went to John, but uh, Lori, like Meg, felt like she was made a fool of, which this is very middle school. Like I can swear this happened to everyone in middle school. Yeah, like that one no, do you like me, yes or no? And somebody else gets a hold of it and they're like, no or yes. And then you're like sitting there trying to talk to the person that said yes, but they don't actually like you because somebody else circled it. Yeah, I remember all that. I've actually sat next to the girl that intercepted the note, circled yes, and then sent it back. Oh, no. (laughs) That was fun. That was in fifth grade. Oh, okay, so anyways, back to Lori. Um, so Joe thinks that Lori may have written both letters, and Meg says she doesn't want any lovers yet. So John knows nothing about any of it. He didn't get any of the letters, which is good. Um, and then, like, they yell at Lori for doing this, and he immediately, like, apologizes and says, like, oh, yeah, that was probably an awful joke. I was really sorry about it. And then um, Lori is in, like, a terrible temper, and him and his grandfather got into it today. So Joe's like, okay, I'll go smooth this out. Let's go figure out what happened. So um, she goes over there, and then Mr. Lawrence wanted to know what their fight was about, but Lori wouldn't tell him because he promised Meg um, that she, he would never talk about what happened, um, which is why him and his grandpa are fighting, because... Uh, he, his grandfather thinks that like Lori's trying to hide this from the grandfather so he doesn't get in trouble when Lori's like, I promised Meg I wouldn't say what happened. So Lori's trying to get Joe to run off with him and Joe's like, no, thank you. Not interested. And he's like, we go to Washington. And she's like, why? Why would we go to Washington? And so Joe says no and that if she was a boy though, she would. Well, there's that. There is that. <laughs> um, so then Joe calms Lori down and then goes over and calms Mr. Lawrence down um, and says, like, hey, no, we really asked Lori not to apologize, like, not to say what happened. And he's like, oh, okay, like, if you're saying that this is something um, that would offend your family, if he told me, like, fine. I'll hear no more of it kind of thing. And then Mr. Lawrence wrote Lori in a formal apology in a letter and put it under his door. I kind of wish people still did that just so I could have the evidence that you actually did apologize. <laughs> Printer copies and like paste it as a wallpaper in your room. And you're like, ah, yes. Remember when I was right? <laughs> um, so then Meg... Uh, we find out it's like secretly falling in love with John though, which is good because it's about to be her husband. So I feel like she was always in love with him mm-hmm. and I really don't understand why they still think she's too young because I feel like every other book that I've read that's way back when mm-hmm. they're getting ready to get married at like 17, 18. Yeah. I... I will say this is in the North, though. So, like, the South tried to be, like, prim and proper, whereas the North was, like, you know, more go is your pace kind of situation. So, it's, like, it allowed girls to grow up more, whereas, like, in the South, 
especially during the Civil War, there wasn't that many boys to go around because they were all off to war. So they were like, you know, you need to grow up fast, get married so that you can like secure your fortune. Whereas in the North, they were like, we're winning this war. Do as you please kind of situation it felt like. All right. So chapter 22, Pleasant Meadows. So Beth is like feeling better and finally able to move about the house now. Um, and their father should be able to return early in the new year. So that's pretty exciting. Um, it's Christmas and everyone's having a great day and they just wish their father was there. But they're like unwrapping presents and everyone's hanging out. And then Mr. March arrived and everyone was like, hey, what's up? So their dad's back now and uh john brought him home and then he somehow accidentally kissed meg i was like whoa 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 there's a lot happening here like i don't understand how that happened because that wasn't an accident he did that on purpose i i mean yeah (laughs) i figured but like i was like how did that even like come to fruition was my question you know like but there's a lot of kissing in this book like a lot more than I'm used to. Like, everyone kisses everyone ev- all the time. And it's like, reading that in COVID hours, you know, I'm just, like, uncomfortable. <laughs> like, I probably would still be slightly weirded out about it if pre-Rona, but, like, now that we're in Rona season, I'm, like, mad uncomfortable with the amount of, like, physical intimacy happening. I feel like, I don't know if I feel like they kiss a lot. I guess because I'm so used to reading romance books that, like, my main thing is, okay, where are they kissing? Because it doesn't ever say. Like, I think there's one point where they say that someone kisses someone on the forehead, and I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. That's, I guess, normal, but odd, but normal. So whenever these girls are kissing the boys, or the boys are kissing the girls, like Lori Mm -hmm. and Joe... I'm wondering, did she kiss him on the lips or did she kiss him on the cheek or what's yeah. going on here? Because he's telling her to come at him again. And so I'm assuming she had to have kissed him on the lips because yeah. I don't know. But like, I'm like, I just am kind of surprised about the amount of kissing that's going on when this is like, that's not formal. I'm like, Amy is so concerned about her reputation, but her entire, all her sisters are going around kissing everybody, so. Oh, I remembered the thing that I had forgotten. Okay, so what if the author, the reason why she's like, so, oh, don't get married yet, you're still too young. What if Mm -hmm. she was the one that didn't want to get married, and so she's like, so I'm going to write a whole book where all the girls don't get married until they're like 25. That's very possible. I don't know much about this author's life, so I'm going to have to, like, find out more before we do our, like, reflection episode at the very end. But, like, it's very possible. I have no idea what she was like as an individual. That Like, this is the first book I ever heard about that was written by her, and I have no idea who she is. So, it's very possible. <laughs> um, anyways, I'm back to Little Women. <laughs> this is going to be so much fun to edit later. <laughs> I think all of ours is so much fun for you. I, If I was you, I'd be like, okay, no, we're not going to be. <laughs> I'd be like, no, I'm not editing that. We're going to have to do it over and we're going to have to keep on subject. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. I'll just, I listen to it and I laugh when I remember <laughs> things. I literally had an episode where I talked to my co-host about her friend that writes tentacle porn. So I had to cut five minutes out of my episode of tentacle porn. <laughs> 
I'm listening back to it and I'm like, oh, I'm using this as a blooper. This is too good. I can't just like throw it away. Uh, um, so anyways, everyone has a really nice Christmas dinner together. Um, and then Mr. March starts going around the room saying nice things about his daughters. He says that Joe's growing into a woman, no longer acting like a son, which I don't think is a compliment, but okay. And he says that all of his daughters have become nice and good people this past year. So I was of like, course they did, because that's the goal. Yeah. This book is too full of morals for me. Like when she talks about later on when Joe's writing, and she's like, no one sells morals, but like they do. And I'm like, okay, just toot your own horn, I guess. I don't think, in my opinion, morals never sell. Mm-mm. People like to say they don't like gossip, but in reality, you do like gossip because that's all people ever talk about. I just don't want to be preached to while I'm reading a book. And like, I feel like a lot of this time it's very preachy. Yeah, I'm not a religious person. Yeah. So, uh, this book was not for me. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, if we could bypass all of the chapters, like, I think it'd be one thing if you read this book to a child and like I think that's what it is intended to do but like reading as an adult who has grown up learned her life lessons and worked through them it's like you don't need to remind me to be a good person I know that I need to give to the poor and steal from the rich I don't know I'm not Robin Hood um, <laughs> like I don't need <laughs> Anytime I say give to the poor, my brain goes steal from the rich because, and I haven't even read Robin Hood yet. Like, I don't know why my brain does that, but that's just what it is. Like, I feel like it's a half sentence until I complete the other half. But it's just, it's so preachy a lot of the time. Oh, wait until you get into Serpent and Dove. Oh, geez, is it preachy? (laughs) Oh, no. No. Oh, no. And I'm the one that's supposed to like it. (laughs) You might still like it. It is like, well, now I don't want to say because I want you to like it. (laughs) Okay, let me just read it. Tomorrow I have scheduled to read six chapters. So, like, if I don't like it, I'll probably know by six chapters. But I will have a solid opinion formed by then. Okay. (laughs) And then I'll text you and be like, oh, my gosh. Becky, look at her butt. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Anyways, chapter 23, Aunt March settles the question. So everyone seems to be waiting for something. It has something to do with John, but no one really knows what's happening. Um, Meg says that she'll tell John she's too young to marry if he ever asks. And obviously that didn't work out. Um, So John comes over to get his umbrella and check in on their father and Joe was like, mm, yes, you're going to tell him that you are too young? Good. And immediately leaves the room so that Meg can do it right then and there. And I think Joe realizes that Meg is not her. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Joe's like, all right, cool. I will abandon you now. Goodbye. This is very reminiscent to me of when everyone left um, Elizabeth alone in the room with Mr. Collins. <laughs> Uh, that was 
And she's like, please, no, everyone, please stay with me. And everyone's like, peace out, bye. And then left the room. Love is happening. She's like, no, it's not. She's like, I'd rather die. <laughs> please come back. Um, so then John admits that he loves Meg and asks if she cares for, about him at all. And Meg's like, hmm, time to play with him like a cat with food. Um, and then Meg says she doesn't know and he smiles and says that he hopes that she'll try to find out. And I then, was so proud of Meg in this moment because she yeah. actually does play with him and is mm-hmm. like, oh, and I don't remember what she says, but she actually does do the little flirty thing. Yeah. And I was just like, oh my God. She doesn't want to seem easy. Like that was her whole thing. She's like, I don't want to be like, I guess they call it fast. So there, she's like, I don't um, think her definition of fast and my definition. Oh of no, fast they're not is the same. same. <laughs> they are not the same. Every time he's like later on, um, Joe says something about, or Amy says something about Joe's making her sound fast, and I was like, mm, these mean two very different things to each of us. But in that moment, I think Joe was doing it on purpose. So I think our definitions of fast was right on topic. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was just, it's funny to me. But um, Meg says that she's not interested and hopes he will not think of her. And I was like, whoa, whoa, Meg. All right. Just, she's like, basically was like, Pam, shot. And then was, he was like taken aback by it. Which I was gonna I'm not going to lie. I don't like girls that do that to men, yeah. but I do like reading about it because it's a lot more fun. But in reality, I don't like girls because I just, I don't know. I'm a very efficient person. So mm-hmm. it's just like, if I like you, I'm going to tell you I like you. I'm not a beat around <laughs> the bush person. So I totally yes. get that. But like, I don't even know. Sometimes in books, it bothers me though, because I am one of those people that I like open communication. Like it's very important to me that like, if you're feeling an emotion that you tell me and we can work through that together. But like when characters don't communicate and miscommunication happens and then they both secretly love each other, I'm like, I'm going to like shake both of you. Like if I can jump in this book and just like push them together, sometimes it would make me a lot happier because I, I don't know, like this I thought was kind of funny in this moment but still sometimes i'm just like ah, like it really depends on how long it goes on for i hate that trope the miscommunication love mm-hmm. trope that is the worst romance book you can ever read i have one if you want it <laughs> oh my goodness if anyone wants it i will send it to you it is one of the worst books i've ever read and it's all because it's just a whole stupid miscommunication like the only reason why I finished it was because I think I was halfway done by the time mm-hmm. I realized I hate this book, but I'm going to finish it because I only need so many pages and then it can go on my Goodreads challenge board. Or yeah. <laughs> See, like there's sometimes where I'm like, I hate tropes. And then like that trope where they're like, uh, they hate each other, but they only have one bed they have to share. I'm like, oh my gosh, they hate each other, but they only have one <laughs> Well, that's the enemies to lovers trope. That I love. I, I, I say enemies. I hate tropes, but I love that one. I love that one. Like that never, that one never gets old. Like I get it. 
it's been done before, but I, I don't still care about it. <laughs> but like that whole miscommunication where they're like, he doesn't love me. He'll never love me. I'm like, Ugh, I hate that. I'm like, I need to be more entertained and I don't want to be frustrated while I'm reading. And I feel like that one just frustrates me. But if you throw enemies to lovers and they secretly fall in love and then she's like, he doesn't love me, then then I'm okay with it. It's very specifically rare times I'm okay with that trope. Like, it has to be worked in well. See, but that works, though. Yeah. No, the one book I have is literally it's all just a miscommunication. <sighs> it's them not communicating. And it's just... Oh, and they're best friends, too. So it's like, get over yourself. <laughs> no, I can't do it. I cannot do it. Uh, okay, back to Little Woman. So um, Aunt March comes in with her usual terrible timing and catches John and Meg looking bewildered and tells Meg that if she accepts him, none of her money will go to Meg. And, like, basically, John, like, runs out of the room in that moment. And... Like, I was trying to figure out, like, if they were kissing or something or, like, why they looked so shook when Aunt March walked in. I wanted to know if Aunt March was just being, like, trying to use reverse psychology or if she was really saying that. No, Because it it said that, oh, Aunt March was going to make sure that it happened. And then all of a sudden she was like, well, you don't get any of my money. And I'm like, wait, I'm so confused. (laughs) No, because I'm pretty sure they were. She wanted Aunt March wanted Meg to marry Rich, so I thought she was trying to get Meg to marry somebody else. I could have sworn at the beginning of like the chapter they were like, "Well, Aunt March was going to make sure that her and John did end up together," and then all of a sudden it flipped, and it was like, and it flipped, and she was like, "Well, I'm not giving you any money," and then it turned like. At first, I thought it was like a she was saying it like as a joke type like thing to try and get her to really say that she did love him. And then it worked. And then she was like, well, now she's leaving in a huff. And I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I thought this was all a joke. No, like I thought the entire time that she was trying to get him. I I read this very late at night and I'm very, very tired. So I'm not going to say. Let's find out. That's what happened because. I'm not even like I read a page and a half the other day and then I went to my bookmark last night and was like okay this is where I stopped and then I was like I was reading and I was like I don't remember this happening (laughs) so I had to go back like two pages because I didn't remember the last two pages I had read because I was so tired Hmm. oh my god just looking at the book in your hand is so (laughs) huge no, she the entire time she didn't like him. She said she like looked scandalized that she was even thinking about accepting him. Okay, here we go. This is the part that's probably confusing. Um, all right, I'm gonna just read it word for word. If Aunt March had begged Meg to accept John Brooke, she would have probably had declared she couldn't think of it. But as she was prematurely ordered to not like him, she immediately made up her mind that she would. And this is talking about Meg. Okay, so that's probably what I was reading that late at night and I took it in a completely opposite way. (laughs) Yeah, so there we go. So that's what happened is that like there was that one sentence, but no, Aunt March does not like John. So then Aunt March says that she's done with Meg 
or ever. Oh, sorry. Skipped myself. Went ahead. Meg starts defending John to her aunt. And um, it, while he, she's doing this, I'm like, ooh, I think John can actually hear her. And then as she's like defending him and saying like that he's the best person ever, she almost says that she loves him. And I was like, ooh. So then our aunt, aunt, aunt March storms out and says she's done with Meg forever and leaves. And she's like, I have no spirit to see your father anymore. And then John walks out. He's like, so I heard all that. And um, yeah, so then I was wondering if he had heard it too. And then whenever he came out, I was like, well, now your whole whatever you were doing before is not gonna work yeah (laughs) Yeah. she was literally like screaming at her aunt this house isn't that big so right (laughs) and then um yeah i was like did joe hear it too i don't know she was upstairs she had to have heard it there's no way yeah she probably heard like the tail end of it and was like "Ooh, drama coming downstairs now but she probably didn't know that it was the aunt so she probably thought her and john were fighting that would have been juicy yeah, so Jane's like, ah, oh, this is all going according to plan. Not Jane, Joe. <laughs> Come, reading <laughs> Pride and Prejudice right before this, every time I read Joe, I say Jane in my head, and I'm like, no, no, get it together, incorrect. So um, I guess they get engaged in that moment, <laughs> and Joe walks in on them, uh, and um, Meg is sitting on John's knee for some reason. I thought that was odd. That's so weird. I'm glad you also thought that was odd. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay. And then as soon as Joe walks in and sees him, she runs upstairs crying. Doesn't that remind you of Santa? Yes. Like, at the mall. Oh my goodness. But it's like, I'm imagining that they're both kind of small, so no matter what... Her sitting on his lap is really intimate and very strange. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too, because we're talking about, oh, what is proper? That's mm-hmm. not proper. No. Because you're not married. You're not married. You just got engaged and you... And you're not in the privacy of your own home. I'm pretty sure you could count on your hand how many times you've spoken to each other. <laughs> Literally. Like one hand. But what do I know? What do I know? Yeah, I guess. Like, romance moves really quickly for whatever reason. So, um, everyone is immediately kind of shocked when Meg's like, hey, we're engaged now. And then they warm up to it really quickly. And then they're going to wait three years um, before they actually get married. And then everyone's super happy. And that's the end of part one. So then part two, we jump forward three years because apparently um, we don't need those three years are nothing nothing happens morals happen and morals do not sell so (laughs) publisher is like we don't you don't need to make this book any longer than it already is (laughs) cut those three years out okay so chapter 24 gossip so three years have passed and the war is over officially um mr march is now a minister and it seems that everyone in the church finds comfort in him. And this is the only time that it's mentioned that he's a minister for whatever reason. He is just the epitome of perfect father. Yeah. And it made me sick. 
<laughs> the whole family dynamic makes me sick, okay? Because I'm like, where's the turmoil? Right? They're all girls. They should be pulling each other's hair out. I know. I mean, Joe did almost kill Amy, but when they were so, and I didn't judge her for that, okay? <laughs> we're like, ooh, entertainment. Yeah, it's funny. Um, so... Turns out John actually went in the military for about a year, but then he got injured and sent home. And then Meg kind of wants money, but then when she's with John, she forgets all of that and no longer wants to be rich. Aw. No, not aw, because you can't live off of love. I think even Aunt March said that in her chapter. Probably, but like, it's true. Anyway, we'll keep moving. <laughs> we'll, we'll look past that for now. <laughs> so, um, Joe no longer works for Aunt March, and she has taken a liking to Amy and bribe her, bribes Amy with art teachers. So, Joe spends all of her time writing now, and Lori has gone off to college. Uh, Lori brings home a lot of boys from school, and Joe fits in with them, feeling more comfortable being, quote, boyish, unquote, while Amy flirts with all the boys. And, like, at this point, she's, like, 15, 16, I guess. Who, Amy? Yeah. Yeah, she's 12. So, yeah, 15. Yeah. So it's just kind of weird for me, but I guess, like, nope, well, it's still weird. She's 15, so how old would these these boys be? They're Lori's age. Joe was, what, 15 when we started? So three years later would have been 18. So 15 and 18. Like three, when you do the math, three years doesn't sound that big. But the fact that they're just teenagers makes it sound Yes, the, the point in your life gap that's uncomfortable. Yeah do not like it but then it's like what do you consider amy considers flirting because she's very proper in herself yeah i don't know like you know if she waves a handkerchief is that flirting (laughs) i don't know it's bad because i really can't tell like she could literally just be talking to them and she'd be like i'm flirting and i'm like are you though (laughs) like i don't know about that one but okay um, so the house John got for Meg is quite small, but Meg loves it, which is good. Um, the whole family is arranging the new house, and it looks really nice. You know, it's all organized for when Meg moves in. And Meg seems really satisfied and happy, even if they're starting out poor. So Lori came home and said, John is getting the marriage license for tomorrow. And I was like, oh, okay, you're just going to, like, throw us right back. Like, we're going to immediately get married here, I guess. Like, no time to waste at all. Um, So then Lori walks over to his house with Joe to ask his grandfather for money. And it sounds like he lets a lot of people borrow money and they never pay him back. For some reason. What are they borrowing money for? I don't know. Like, his college friends are borrowing money. Not not the marches. Yeah. He, like, lets everyone at college borrow money and then never has any for himself. So then Lori says Joe uh, will be the next to be married. And Joe says, nope, she'll die an old maid. And yeah, that should have been his first clue. Literally, there were so many <laughs> clues for Lori. Oh, my gosh. And then Lori says, mark his words, Joe will go next. Yeah, that kind of 
told us what was he was thinking in his head. Yeah, I'm like, that backfired for you, buddy. I don't know if I feel more sorry for Lori or if I feel more sorry for Joe. I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel bad for Lori because, like, unrequited love is not great. But, like, he knew going into this, Joe is not interested in men. I yeah that's what I feel like that if he really knew her I think he would know that she's not interested in men yeah like you should not even view her that way because she's never gonna view you that way so then some of the later chapters I feel like she was in love with Lori but she just didn't want to get married because she knew they would be arguing all the time I don't know. I don't feel like she's ever actually in love with Lori, but she like values his friendship. So she does what she sees other people behave like with guys, but she views that as a friendship stance. Whereas or I he... guess maybe she loves him, but she's not in love with him. Yeah. I think she like loves him like a brother. I don't know. Sometimes her behavior towards him is kind of flirty, and then sometimes yeah. it's not. That's why I'm like, do I feel bad for Lori or did she actually, I mean, cause there was so many clues there that she did not like him mm-hmm. and she kept telling him, it's kind of like when me, when I tell people, I don't like you, she kept telling him, I'm not yeah. interested in you. And he just was like, no, you are, you are. <laughs> I think like she likes to mess with him, which is kind of flirty, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. Their whole dynamic is kind of odd yeah so then chapter 25 the first wedding so everyone's getting ready for the wedding this morning and meg is like as happy as can be um meg made her wedding dress herself and didn't really wear jewelry or anything because she wants to be like she wants to look like herself which is like nice character growth for her um she is some holding some lilies of the valley um, because they're John's favorite. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cute. But, like, are they just lilies? Like, I thought that was a funeral flower. But I could be wrong. I don't know. I really don't. I don't know. I can't remember. We'll find out later and I'll, like, edit it in. <laughs> I'll do some Googling. But then, um, even after three years, Beth isn't fully better. And she's still, like, really frail looking. Just sad because like Beth's the best human out of all of them. Um, so then everyone of the guests are arriving and Meg is greeting up at the door, um, which Aunt March is not happy about because she's like, uh, you should have people greet them for you. Like your it's your special day. And she's like, hey, whatever. Um, so then they have a nice small wedding ceremony. No one from John's family, though, is mentioned at all. Like everyone that's mentioned is um, the March family. I did not notice that. I did. I was like, where are his parents or like his family, his cousins, nothing. Like none of his sides mentioned at all. And I thought that was weird. Red flag, red flag. Yeah. <laughs> run, run. He's got another wife. Um, and then no drinking is allowed at the wedding. And they've made Lori promise to never drink ever. Yeah. And I was like, uh, why? Like, 
Well, I guess they're a religious family. I guess, but I didn't like it. I didn't like it either. Yeah. So now the wedding is done and Meg is off to her new house with her new groom. To live happily ever after. I don't know. (laughs) All right. So chapter 26, artistic attempts. This is basically a filler chapter, but it's fine. (laughs) So Amy is trying her hand at all different kinds of art. Um, some attempts are going well, some not so, like not so, for example, she attempts plaster, then gets her foot caught in plaster, and then it has to be ripped apart to shreds by Joe to get it out because it hardened too fast. So Amy wants to bring over her rich friends from her drawing class. Um, and she wants to do like this giant extravagant lunch. Um, and Mrs. March is like, why? You probably shouldn't. And Amy's like, well, I'm going to pay for it um, because if I can't have it the way she wants it, then she would rather not have it. So she's going to do this big to-do and pay for it. And I was like, okay, this is going to end very badly. I can already foresee that this is not going to go well. I think I was hoping that it went well for her, but I don't know. I, I didn't think it was going to. She's kind of like, like, I compare Amy to like, okay, so if you were to compare this situation to a wedding, mm-hmm. she is like a woman mid-20s getting married. I want it the way that I want it, no matter how much it is. And then as you get older, like I would say mid-30s on up, mm-hmm. more women are like, let's just do a small thing and then we'll spend that money elsewhere. Yeah. A fact. Because I just... I am one of those people that I'd be happy to elope. So it's like watching Amy be like, I will spend all of my money on this lunch. I'm like, why? Like, <laughs> why would you do that? You can do so many other things with this money. I don't understand. So Meg agrees to help immediately. And Joe's like, you're a moron. Don't do this. And refuses at first and thinks it's all nonsense. But Amy's like, please, pretty please. And then Joe's like, fine. And decides to do it (laughs) and then immediately things are not going well so amy told all the friends to come either monday or tuesday uh and like if on monday if the weather wasn't good to then come on tuesday so everyone got up early on monday to like prepare everything and the weather was horrible so no one showed up at all so then on tuesday Amy goes and gets a lobster and runs into one of Lori's college friends at the store. And then they, you know, spend all this time cooking again and only a single one person showed up. So they had to eat all of the very expensive leftovers afterwards, like after the friend left. And she had like rented a carriage and everything. So then Amy Amy keeps it together until the very end of the night and finally admits that she was super embarrassed and everyone's like, okay, we won't talk about it for a couple months because that was uh, not good. Everybody, I I feel like Amy must not have been very popular. (laughs) I mean, they were all rich people. Like, they were all rich girls. So, like, if you think about it, if you're wealthy, why would you want to go to Amy's house? Yeah, that's true. Because if 
okay, so if I was a rich person in that day and age and Amy had invited me to her house, mm-hmm. I would probably be thinking, well, what are we going to eat? They probably can't afford food. Like, so maybe we yeah. shouldn't go because you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, they don't know that how much money Amy has. They don't know if she's been saving up for this. Mm-hmm. They don't know any of that. All they know is that she's poor. And the only reason why she's here is because her aunt pays for the lessons. Yeah. And it's but- not like she's inviting them to her aunt's house. Mm-hmm. She's inviting them to her house. Yeah. So it's like, I totally understand why no one showed up. <laughs> yeah. So chapter 27, Literary Lessons. Joe is hard at work working on her novel. Um, and Miss Crocker asks Joe to escort her to a lecture on the pyramids. So there happens to be a boy at the lecture reading a newspaper. Um, and he splits the paper with her so that she can read it. And he tells her the woman who wrote the story makes like a ton of money off of it. And Jane's like, ooh. And she writes down the name of the newspaper because she thought like the story itself was trash so she's like oh this woman can do it i can do it so there's a hundred dollar prize for quote a sensational story unquote and as soon as she gets home joe immediately starts working on the manuscript and sent it in then after six weeks uh they sent her a hundred dollars and i was like nice i feel like i need to read these sensational stories and i know <laughs> like they talk about how great of an author she is but i'm like where are they at though like we never get to see even a small subset well we do in the newspaper but that's not the same yeah but it's like i want to know what these stories are like i want like an accompanying accompanying novel to like briefly talk about her stories yeah I need to see, like, I don't know. I want to see what sensationalized means or what, because later on, whenever she gets to more writing, he's like, mm-hmm. oh, this is trash. People shouldn't read that. So I'm wondering, what is the trash? Like, yeah, I, I want to know. know. <laughs> I know, me too. <laughs> so Joe spent the money on a seaside vacation for Beth and their mother for a month. And I was like, wow, $100 paying for a month vacation. I know, right? <laughs> like, I know the value of money is different, but, like, it hurts. It really does. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Jable was, uh, Jable, Joe was able to earn more money from uh, her writing and buy new carpet, groceries, and gowns for her family, which I was like, oh, it's nice that she, like, does stuff for people. So, uh, Joe finishes her latest book, but the publisher told her to cut it down. So she went to her family for advice and they all gave her conflicting advice. And then she listened to all of it. And then, so her book ended up being one third of the size and they published it and she got $300, um, along with a ton of complaints and also a ton of compliments. So like all of it was very diverse in the feedback that's how it always is when you write a book like yeah i think she was expecting everyone to love it Mm -hmm. and that's just not gonna happen no definitely not that's not the way of the world but it's like they're so sheltered she's like well i guess if if people don't love it then it's not good and it's no not necessarily it's just like there's you know so many different sub genres like there's clean romance and then there's 
smut. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it just depends on your preference. At yeah, for sure. Yeah, I just don't think she understands that at all. And then she says, like, ultimately that she wishes she printed the whole thing because she feels like she's been misjudged because basically this is no longer her actual book. I wonder if she took out all the morals. They said, <laughs> I know, I wish. They said that she left some of it in there, and I'm like, why? Because her dad liked it. And I was like, ugh. Um, so she feels like she learned something, and once she's ready, she will write another. All right, so chapter 28, Domestic Experiences. So Meg wants to be a model housekeeper. Oh, hands down, this was my favorite chapter. (laughs) I just, like, I had a lot of thoughts about this chapter. And we'll get to it as we get to each moment, okay? (laughs) Because, like, basically, Meg starts out wanting to be, like, a pick-me girl, I felt like. Where she's like, oh, I'm a cool wife, you know? Don't ever ask me like do whatever you want and then you realize very quickly that that's not gonna work long term (laughs) like and i love that so um they're starting to get in little fights though about misplaced buttons and like a bunch of random things which is really normal because like you realize when you live with another person how much they irk the living daylights out of you basically mr brooke was being a man yeah and she didn't like it yeah (laughs) like when they throw their clothes at the basket and don't put it in the basket yeah (laughs) oh my gosh or it's like dishes being left in the sink you're like you can clean those (laughs) or not even that they're left in the sink that they like not they're not being soaked oh the worst because then it's just like dried food (laughs) oh my gosh so meg is trying to become a good cook um unfortunately meg told john that he never had to ask to bring a guest home so he did while meg had spent the entire day trying to make jelly and was bawling her eyes out at the table because she couldn't get it to turn out and then my thing was she didn't even know how to make jelly she just assumed that it was a good idea yeah so basically they have this entire conversation about how they're not going to ask their mother like her mother for help and i don't understand i don't i I really don't get it either because they're so they're so religious and they're so kind Mm -hmm. to each other so this was like a total opposite of their characters like Mm -hmm. oh i'm not going to ask them for help but yeah, I just didn't under unless it was like a pride thing, like, oh, I'm grown now, so I'm gonna do my own thing, then I can understand it. But when you literally don't know how to make jelly, you probably shouldn't buy the things to make jelly. I know. Basically they said kind of that like Meg wants to become an independent woman. But like my issue is is like you need to learn from someone. You can't do everything on your own. And like not heeding someone's advice and instead just trying to figure out every single thing by yourself it's just going to mean that you're going to take eight times longer to learn something that could have been taught to you yeah and this is a chapter where i think i figured or at least i think that meg is what 2021 and mr brooke by the way he acts 
mm-hmm. he he has to be in his late twenties by now because he's just so much more mature than she yeah. is at this point. And that's why I'm thinking they must be at least ten years apart. Mm-hmm. That would be like another reason how I could understand where her mother was like, no, 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 Meg, you're just too young because maybe it's not that she's too young. Maybe it's Mr. Brooke is too old. Yeah. And she needs some years to catch up to him before they get married. Yeah. Cause like right now, like you can really see that, you know, both of them are inexperienced in relationships because obviously you couldn't date, but like, you can only be a cool girl and a cool girlfriend for so long where then you're going to get tired and that's you can't grow as a couple if you're constantly like trying to you know like be the coolest when instead you need to um, have those difficult conversations because otherwise neither of you is going to be happy right so luckily the guests saw absolutely nothing and Meg told them uh, to go to her mother's house for dinner because she's way too upset to cook. And uh, John is really mad about this like home miscommunication. Um, and they're both pretty upset with each other. So John like plays it all off and like makes a joke out of it as Meg's upstairs and he like makes sandwiches or something for the guest which is nice, but, you know. So then um, neither of them want to apologize first as both feel as though they've been wronged, which, like, I get both sides to this, but Meg never should have said, hey, yeah, don't feel that you ever need to ask me. I usually always go on the woman's side. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't care if she's wrong or right. But with him... Because I think he's so much older. Mm-hmm. I feel like he should have known that you just don't bring people home. Because yeah. in that day and age, they could also send warnings. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, he's coming. He didn't do that either. And then he did buy all the stuff for the jelly. So he kind of knew what was going on. But yeah, on Meg's part, she should have not asked for jelly things unless she knew how to make jelly. Honestly, I don't think either of them was in the right in this situation. Like, I feel like they both were in the wrong and they have full right to be mad at each other as well. And he had no idea that she had been making jelly literally all day. So had she not been making jelly, like you said, she wanted to be the perfect wife. So I'm pretty sure she would have had a clean house. She would have had dinner ready mm-hmm. and she would have welcomed the guy. No questions asked. Yeah. But because she didn't know how to make jelly and she was mm-hmm. literally doing it all day, so nothing was done. And I think it was just more of her embarrassment that she was so angry about more than she was angry at him bringing home someone. Yeah. Because she didn't have any of that done and she wanted to be the perfect wife. So neither one of them was exactly wrong, but neither one of them was exactly right. Yeah. Because had john and i'm assuming john went and told all of his buddies oh yeah my wife said i can bring home anybody at any time because you know they brag and some guy there i'm pretty sure would have gave him like hey yeah don't do that buddy like like i'm i'm assuming they would have gave him the device like let's not do that because your wife says things like that but she doesn't mean it you know what i mean like even his father 
But then again, I, I guess he doesn't have any family because none of them went to the wedding. Yeah, I know. It's so <laughs> weird. So I don't know. I guess in a way, if you're looking at this as if they didn't have families, because even I'm pretty sure Meg's dad, if he would have mentioned that to Meg's dad, Meg's dad would have been like, no, you should really do the polite thing and warn somebody before you bring somebody home. Yeah. So like asking and still like, like, I don't ask my boyfriend's permission to go anywhere, but do I tell him? Yes. Out of respect for my significant other. So it's like, I just couldn't imagine being like, oh, I just will not inform him and be like, surprise, like, oh, no, it's not going to end well. Yeah. And I think a lot of people confuse that type of thing in relationships with mm-hmm. control a lot because I do the same thing. Do I ask my husband? to go anywhere no i don't but do i tell him where i'm going yes i do because if something happens to me then he knows where i am yeah so then no one wants to apologize first um but meg decides to swallow her pride and immediately um like walks over and like kisses him on the head and then he immediately apologizes as well so then sally and meg renew their friendship and sally pities uh her and calls her that poor little deer. Super condescending. I don't know why she reinvigorated her friendship with Sally. That did not make any sense to me. I, I was don't like, know. No. But I feel like her spending, <laughs> her spending habit here. Stressful. Like, I'm guilty of doing, because you're just like, oh, it's on sale. Okay, yeah, let's buy it. But you don't need it. See, I don't impulse purchase clothes i impulse purchase books which is like <laughs> equally as awful but like in my head i'm like um i'm furthering my education no i'm not i'm absolutely not furthering my education i have a horde i'm like a little dragon you know it'd be great if it was close but it's not i i kind of wish i spent money on sales clothes but instead here i am with 500 books to my name so it's like it was just kind of funny for me reading this chapter because i'm just i'm not an impulse purchaser of clothes like i will think about it for like two days whether i should buy a ten dollar t-shirt but if a book is like fifteen dollars i immediately buy it so i impulse buy everything that i like (laughs) if it's on sale (laughs) so i'm really really bad but at the same time sometimes i like i'm really really good because i'm just like no you don't need that (laughs) um so then, yeah, Meg started shopping, spending way more money than she should because uh, she hates to be pitied. And Sally and the shopkeeper peer pressure in her into buying a sort of expensive dress that's like $50. And as soon as she buys it, she has immediate guilt. So um, she goes home and she puts the dress away. And Meg shows John her expense um, records out of guilt. And she also lets slips that she hates being poor, which crushes him. And she immediately regrets it as soon as she says it. And the next day, um, she asks Sally to buy it off of her as a favor, which she does. And then she buys John a coat, which he had to return because she spent too much money and they couldn't afford it. Like, they couldn't afford both. And... I was like, oh, that's sad. And then it flash forwards and she's just having twins. They were just born out of the blue. I'm like, okay, thanks for that. Like, out of absolutely nowhere, okay? Like, we didn't get her pregnant. Like, there was no pregnancy. It was just, hey, we're now at my mother's house and also here's my babies. 
Yeah, that was okay. So they don't even say that she's pregnant. They Mm-mm. just say that she goes through a womanly change or something like that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're reading that she has twins and you're like, was this the change that they yeah. were talking about? Like, I thought it was like a mature thing. Like Me they too. matured in the relationship and then no, she had gotten pregnant. So I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I was like, okay, um, thanks for that. No context at all. Um, and then everyone shook that she has twins. And of course it's one boy and one girl because I don't know, symmetry, who knows. Um, they're named after each of their parents. So they're both juniors. Um, but they call them Daisy and Demi for some reason. I don't know. Instead of calling it Maggie, they named her Daisy, which is not even close to Margaret, so I really don't understand. Yeah, the names, I it was almost like, I don't know, whatever. I have this thing about nicknames. Like, if you're going to use a nickname, why don't you just name the child that? Like, I don't understand parents that are like, okay, we're going to name you Peggy Sue, but we're going to call you Sue because I don't like the name Peggy. Yeah, and then you're like, why? Like, Yeah, like, okay, so then why did you name her that? Just name her Sue. Yeah. Call her Sue so everybody can call her Sue instead of her having to say, oh, my name is Peggy Sue, but everybody just calls me Sue. Like, I'm, a, I'm an efficient person. Like, why waste your breath saying something yeah, just like cut that? cut it. I don't know. I don't like that either. I like short, quick, easy names too. So I, I really just like, why didn't you na- just name the daughter Daisy? It doesn't make any sense. The other thing too is like people with super, super long names mm-hmm. that are really, really pretty, like Penelope or something. Like, okay, so if it's a super pretty long name, why would you shorten it? Like, I, Penny. I have a foot. Yeah, I have a feeling like if I had a name like Penelope or I don't know, I can't Mm. think of any long names or Christina or something like that, I would want you to call me Christina or Penelope or whatever other name because, I mean, what's the point of the nickname? I don't, I just, I don't like, I don't get it. Like I get it, but then I don't get it. All right. So that's all we have time for today, everyone. Um, Kendra, where can all the wonderful people of the internet find you? I really need to like write out an official ending so that I can just read it off every time. So you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, Facebook, and it's all under at KE Radkey Universe. And then our podcast if you're not listening to this one, you can go listen to that one. Yep. <laughs> is at West Coast Booksters, and that's on Instagram and Pinterest. And then on Twitter, it's WC Booksters. Oh, and on Facebook, it's West Coast Booksters too. I'm not on TikTok. So, yeah, that's how old I am. I love TikTok. <laughs> At some point, I'm going to like bribe you into getting on TikTok, and then you're going to like fall in the TikTok hole with me. All right. But thank you so much for joining me. And we will all catch you in the next one. Right. Bye. Bye. Thank you all so much for joining me on this episode of the Bear the Bookish podcast. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I enjoy making them. 
Um, if you want to join us on our in our virtual book club, we have a bunch of new members and we're just about to start uh, Wicked by Jennifer L. Armantrout because, you know, um, the movie's coming out soon. Soon? It's coming out. It's being made. I don't know when it's coming out, actually. So I feel like I should take back the word soon and not get everyone's hopes up. But there is a movie being made. Um, so now we're just reading it right now. Uh, our reading starts on Monday, so there's plenty of time for you to join in and uh, get the book. And if you're somehow, well, not somehow, but if you're listening to this in the future, uh, we'll be reading something else. So you can still feel free to join. It's on Discord. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we do discussions every week through uh, the chat. So yeah, I hope you all join us. If you want to find me, I am at Barely Bookish on absolutely everything. I'm on TikTok, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, um, I'm also on Twitter, and I'm soon to be on Twitch. We'll see what happens with that, I don't know, but that's something that I'm planning for in the future, uh, so if you want to follow me on Twitch, I am probably going to do some different streams. Um, eventually I want to do weekly discussion live streams, so... Just so you all know that will be coming up at some point, so be sure to keep an eyeball out for that. Um, yeah, that's all I have for you guys. Our intro and outro was made by Raphael Crux from freepd.com. Our logo was designed by my younger sister, Sarah. And that's all I have for you all on this one, and I will catch you on the very next episode. Bye!